I'm Essen Zafar, and welcome to another episode of Unfair Nation, the podcast that discusses our nation's rising inequity and social, political, and economic inequality, what it means for you, and what you can do about it. Every week, we interview one expert for 25 minutes about these topics, and today I'm joined by Kim Bernard from the International Law Institute. Kim's going to talk to us today about her experience working for Amazon. Hi, Kim. Hi, Essen. It's so nice to be here. Um, I guess to introduce myself a little bit more, I am a student at University of Illinois. I'm a senior. I'm here in D.C. for a semester. And this past summer, I worked in an Amazon warehouse to save money near my hometown off of 57. In Illinois, right? Yes, in Illinois. Okay, awesome. So what was that experience like? I mean, can you describe just from a, I can start kind of from a starting the beginning. Yeah why, yeah, why don't we do that? So I started working at Amazon in June. Um, I was pressed for finding a job that would save me money before I moved to DC for a semester. And it was one of the few jobs in the area that would take people part-time or full-time for just a summer that actually paid pretty well. Uh, the interview process was very easy. You filled out an application and you took a drug test and you told them your availability and you were hired. They hired through a third party service. Um, so I was a temp for a while before I was hired on full time. I went through an orientation where they warned me about the physical requirements of the job. Now, what were the physical requirements? They would warn you that if you didn't have a good back and you couldn't handle lifting 40 pounds, right. this wasn't the job for you. And if you couldn't... 40 pounds? 40 pounds was the max okay. of what a person would lift. Um, so they wanted to make sure that they were hiring mm. people that could lift the max. I don't think they really stressed that requirement as mm. much as they did the standing and the walking. Mm. That was definitely... They meant it when they said you'd be on your feet for 11 hours a day. Wow. And I wore a Fitbit during work. Uh, How many steps were you getting in? On average, about 10 miles. On my longest day, where I walked the most, I 16 wow. miles. So why are you walking so much as part of your job at the warehouse? The warehouse is the size of about 14 football fields. Wow. And I worked in inbound specifically, so I never even saw half of the warehouse. What does that mean, inbound? So inbound are the things that Amazon is bringing into the warehouse before packaging it and then sending it back out to be delivered to people. Okay. So they conjure up this idea of what they think people are going to order or the things that you have actually ordered and they bring it into the warehouse and then when you order it, they'll say, okay, it'll be delivered in 24 hours, which means it's probably already at the warehouse. So you're saying that... When you say conjure up, you're saying that they have figured out, they probably have, through data analytics yes. or something, that they know that the probability of somebody ordering this item in this area is X percent, mm -hmm. and then they've already shipped it, pre-shipped it to the warehouse? Yes, wow. exactly. Okay. So so this stuff is coming in. Can you tell us a little bit about what that looks like? These, these kind of boxes have arrived of stuff. So semis arrive and they back up into the dock. Mm -hmm. And some of the semis are full of these yellow bins and they're Amazon bins. 
You love when you get the Amazon bins that are coming directly from other warehouses uh -huh. because they're easy to stow and they're okay. always smaller items. The bins okay. are never that big. And then sometimes you get semis that are coming from other places where it's not coming from a direct Amazon warehouse and it's full of boxes. And then the people that work on the dock put all of this stuff together on a pallet and they mix it up. You never get a pallet that has all of the same item. They send those pallets up an elevator to the rest of the floors where the water spiders... Where the what? <laughs> this is where there's the Amazon slang uh, to kind of explain more. A water spider is the person that takes the items and brings them to the stowers, disperses them okay. so that the stowers can put them away. And where are the stowers putting... The stowers is another... Stowers is another position. Got it. And so where are the stowers putting these items at the water spiders bringing them up the spout? Depends on the warehouse you work in. Uh, if you work in a high-tech warehouse like I did, then you're stowing it inside of a bin. And that's inside of a pot. So okay. to explain, there's robots that carry shelves on top of it. And we call this unit a pod. Okay. And the pods. That's a robot below with mm -hmm. a shelf on top. Yes, and the, the pods robot. zoom around the robot floor, and they will approach you in your little cube. Uh -huh. Your cube is about. It's a, not freaky at all. Maybe when like that a happens. seven by seven square with a scanner in it and a uh -huh. sled full of your items. Yeah. And the robot pod comes up to you, and it has. A shelf that has a bin. Uh -huh. The bins come in various sizes. So you can have 6 inch, 9 inch, 12 inch, 16 inch, and 18 inch bins. Okay. The stowers take items and put them in the smallest size bin that the item will allow. And you scan it. <laughs> you scan it, you put it in the bin, Got it. and the Nike system is what it's called, is able to tell what bin Nike you... like the shoe? Yes, it's spelled N-I-K-E. Okay. Does that stand for anything? I don't know. Okay. They never told me that much. Okay, so you said it's able to determine... Mm -hmm. It's able to tell which bin you put it in by something that's called a curtain of light. Okay. This is starting to sound a little bit cultish. Okay, yes. what's the curtain of light? The curtain of light is cameras that sense when your hand crosses a certain point and when it exits that point. Got it. So it tells what bin you put an item in by where your hand exited. Okay. Which is especially dangerous if you're trying to put something in a bin above your head. Because then your elbow will hit if the curtain If your elbow of light. drops or if you drop your hand before exiting the curtain of light, then it will read you as putting an item in the wrong bin and then you get flagged for a uh, what do you get flagged for <laughs> a shortage or an overage okay so a shortage is when it it thinks that there is an item there and it's not in that bin it's in a different bin and an overage is when you scan it too many times so it thinks there's too many items in there and what happens to somebody when they've had too many shortages or overages um a manager comes up to you and makes you sign a write-up and if you have too many of them, if you exceed a certain amount um, within a quarter, then you are terminated. And what's that? And a quarter being quarterly divided by the year, obviously. Yes. So how many, what numbers are we looking at for this? 
Um, I almost got fired for having five in one day, five errors wow. in one day. So you're saying when you when your elbow hits the curtain of light, for instance, that could be mm -hmm. counted as either a shortage or an overage? Yes. Now so what you... they do tell you is that there are additional cameras that actually watch you from about your elbows. They don't ever see your face. Uh -huh. And when they see a, a, a problem, when they see an error, the cam they'll go back and look at the cameras to see if it was... Check your form. Yes. So if it was just form error or if it was the curtain of light and you didn't actually put it in the wrong bin or you weren't aware that you didn't cross the curtain of light, then uh, they won't mark that as an overage or shortage. How many things are you putting in a bin in an hour? Like, what's your speed? In an hour? What's your rate of speed? Well, they there's two different numbers that you need to remember. It's your tick time. Tick time? Tick time. Okay, like the ticking of a clock. Yes. Your tick time and your units per hour stowed. So they want your units per hour to be anywhere between about 170 for bigger items, the 18-inch items that take longer and are bigger and you're waiting for pods longer, and your smaller items to be closer to 290, 350 per hour. And your tick time, they want less than 10 seconds, no matter the item. So about 10 seconds per item. So 10 seconds for the people in our podcast audience who can't visualize this, you have 10 seconds to kind of You have bend 10 down. seconds to... Look at the pod as it comes, decide which items on your sled could go in that pod, take that item, scan it, place it in the bin. And not get caught in the curtain of light. And not get caught in the curtain of light. And then the timer doesn't restart until you scan another item. Wow. So you can put it away, but that's not your tech time. Right. It's the time you take to reach for the next item or get the next bin or get the next pod. So this seems to me like I'm imagining myself doing this and like having errors all over the place because I'm supposed to be doing this four or five times a minute on average, 10 seconds at a time with six or seven different steps. I mean, is that is that something you just habituate to or is that an, I mean, you said you almost got fired. That was later in my time at Amazon. Um, I had worked for a water spider for a while, kind of got out of the rhythm of stowing, because you do get in a Into rhythm. A rhythm. Okay. And you have about a three-week grace period after okay. you get hired where they expect your rates to be slow, and they expect you to make errors. And those things won't count against you. They'll use it more as of a learning experience. Um, when I almost got fired, I had just had a bad day. I had large shipments full of books, which don't like to scan correctly. A lot of Amazon stores probably mm -hmm. hate books. <laughs> and I'd gotten five errors in one day. I didn't know about it until the following week because mm -hmm. they don't assess you until the end of the week. You have your rate per day and mm -hmm. then your rates per week. Um, and then they told me that if I made one more error or had one more flag, um, then I would be up for termination. What are other ways people, so that's kind of crazy to me, first of all, but like, what are other ways people get flagged? I know like there's been stories about workers trying to go to the restroom and like having issues with that or like waiting in line to 
check in, like time card in and having issues with that? That would fall in under TOT, which is time of off task. There has to be another acronym. Yes, yes, of course. So time, time off, off task. Time off task. So remember what I said about the scanner, the timer not resetting until you scanned another yeah. item? Yeah. So if that timer exceeds six minutes, then you get flagged for time off task. So if you were idle for any amount longer than six minutes, they're going to see that. And you only get a certain allotted amount of time off task a day, which... Uh, How much is that? I'd say about 30 minutes before somebody comes to talk to you about it. And is that 30 minutes like for lunch breaks? Well, for, you have um, a 30 minute paid break okay. and a 30 minute unpaid break. The unpaid okay. break is clock out to clock out. So you go downstairs and outside the break room are the places that you scan your badge to clock out. Yeah. And you just have to clock back in 30 minutes later. Okay. Your paid break is scan to scan. So in the time it takes you to scan your last item, walk down, say you're on the fifth floor southwest side and the break room is on the first floor northeast side, like it was in my warehouse, uh-huh. and the time it takes you to scan your last item, walk down four flights of stairs, go across to the other side of the warehouse, sit in the break room, maybe about 10, 15 minutes if you walk fast and then walk Wait, back up. Wait, 10 to 15 minutes have elapsed. 10 to 15 minutes. To get minutes. to the break room. No, I'd say like maybe, yeah, 10 minutes have elapsed to get to the break okay. room. So those 10 minutes are still counted as part of your paid break. Yes, because you did your last scan. Yeah. And then you can sit in the break room and give yourself about 10 minutes of elbow room to get back up the stairs, wow. back to the other side of the warehouse and so scan So it's your really next a item. 10 minute break, effectively. Basically, yeah, yeah. If, if you don't walk fast. If you walk really fast or if you... It could be an eight minute. You could have 12 minutes if you walk really fast. Also depends on your position in the warehouse. Sure. So I'm giving you the, the extreme. Worst case scenario. You could yeah. also be on the first floor, northeast side, right yeah. next to the break room, and you get the longest break. Sure. But even if you cut your time in half, let's say, because you're saying the worst case scenario, 20 minutes taken off your break time. But even if we cut that time in half, you're still losing about 10 minutes of your break time just to commute to your break location. Yes. What about going to the bathroom? So the bathrooms are located in the center of a giant rectangle. That's how I would describe the warehouse is a giant rectangle. And at the midpoints of the longest ends are where the bathrooms are. Hmm. And where you stow, like my position, you're hmm. on the ends of the warehouse. So it'll take you about five minutes to walk to the bathroom that only has two stalls. And there's oh, about wow. eight bathrooms in the warehouse. Especially but how many people in, in the warehouse? Uh, in the hundreds, hundreds. Yeah. Okay. Especially for women, sure. uh, that becomes a big issue. Right. If you have to wait in line or if one of the bathrooms is out of order. That's time off task. That's time off task. And, and they don't care if you got 25 minutes time off task because of bathroom waiting and long and far being far away from the break room? Well, no. They tell you that you should account for that time. Okay. Um, all right. So how do people try to get around that? Do they run to the bathroom? Do you they, can run to the bathroom. They hold it. You can I mean, wait until your break. Wow. Uh, you can... Try and make sure your rate is really good because if you have a lot of time off task, but you have a really good rate, they don't want to lose you. Sure. 
And if they have a hard worker, then yeah. sometimes it also depends on your manager. Sure. So your manager is the one that sees these numbers yeah. coming up. They're the ones that have access to it. So if you have a manager that's more understanding, um, then they'll usually cut you some slack as far as bathroom breaks. But you have to justify it. A lot of times if you, especially when I worked for the temp agency, they would come around with clipboards and they had a list of every single time you were flagged for time wow. off task and expected you to explain why at every single point. So did you ever have to do that? Did that feel weird to have to justify your how long it took you to go to the bathroom every Absolutely. Time? It felt weird. It felt even weirder when there were times that I didn't know what I was doing. Sure. I can't keep track of every single second of an 11-hour day. And sometimes yeah. when I'm idle for eight minutes yeah. and I'm not sure, maybe I went to the bathroom. Maybe I, yeah. maybe it was a pod gap. Maybe yeah. it was oh, a pod gap is when you're waiting on a robot to come uh, to you. And that um, counts against you as well, huh? It does. You get you get flagged for it, and you can Even explain yourself. Even though it's the yourself. robot's fault. Mm -hmm. They tell you. Yeah. All right, here's another slang word. Yeah. They tell you if that happens to pull an and on, uh, which That's is when there's something wrong with the technology or the equipment, and you need someone who is a specialist in that area to come and assist you. you. And that way, if they see they got flagged for TOT at 7:05, but they pulled an and yeah. on at 7:03, then we know that. So, like, to account for every minute effectively and down to the seconds of your time, like, in the civil rights world, like when, when somebody does this with speech, we call it a chilling effect, right? If somebody looks at your speech all the time, mm -hmm. and they say, you can say whatever you want, but we're watching every single thing you say, it effectively makes you question whether you can say something or not and makes you restrain your speech, which is just as bad as somebody telling you don't say something. Mm -hmm. It's like self-restraint. So did you feel that this, all of this, I mean, this is sounding kind of dystopian to me, but did you feel like it had a chilling effect on your ability to take bathroom breaks or take regular breaks or to just like stand for two minutes and relax or sit? I mean, was there like this kind of intense pressure on you all the time to go, go, go? At first, yes, I felt that a lot. Um, I was one of the lucky people that had a cool manager that was really okay with you taking bathroom breaks. The team that I worked with was very diverse. There mm. are people like me who were college students that were just there for a summer. Mm. There are people that had been working in that warehouse since it opened five years ago. And there were mothers and fathers and grandparents and people that didn't save up on retirement that needed to work somewhere. And they're always very understanding about the pace that you needed to go at. It was after my manager left uh -huh. and we were left without management for a short period of time that things started to get a little messy where we fell more into the hands of Amazon's HR department than we Got did it. any specific manager. Mm. And what happened then? Um, a lot of people left my team because they were unhappy with being written up or not meeting their rates and not having anyone understand why, um, not having anyone taking consideration the circumstances anymore, uh, that really makes it hard on you when you're used to that and then you have to go back to being a, a robot. <laughs> well, and you said a lot of people left your team in your community. Where are these people going if they're not working at Amazon? When I say left they, my team, yeah. I mean moving to different floors. Got it. So there okay. are multiple different 
managers that are all have about a team of yeah. 25 people and they take residents on a floor for yeah. a day so they could easily so transfer to what so let's just talk about that yeah. like writ large right so what it this seems like a intense job yes physically demanding maybe even like stressful and emotionally demanding what was like the turnover rate just on your like anecdotal experience i mean were people sticking around for 15 well amazon's not been around for that long but 10 years a year what's the kind of range the turnover rate is ginormous mm. i started with a group of about 80 people being hired on at once for this warehouse and i only recognized three faces wow. by the end of my time there wow uh, they even boasted about how many people they would hire every week or every few weeks. So the burnout rate was really high. Huh? Yeah. When I've... you say you bring in uh, over 100 people a week, that means wow. you're also losing hundreds people of people. a week, yeah. And what, was the, what were the reasons people were leaving? They couldn't handle standing on their feet all day, mm. or they were weeded out quickly by the rate expected of them. Mm. If in the first few weeks you, you, know, you don't meet the curve then they don't want to keep you anymore and you can get fired. And at that rate, I imagine the ones that stick around are probably going to get tired, too tired, and, and uh, you know, burn out anyway. I was super taking five-hour energies during my breaks. Wow. And they recommend that you don't take ibuprofen every day so you don't build a tolerance to it. Only take it on the really bad days. They don't want you to build a tolerance to painkillers because... Because then if you take it, then you have to keep taking more and more uh, to feel okay. the pain-killing effect. And I wasn't told this by Amazon management, uh, okay, okay. disclaimer. I okay. was told this by like, veterans of people sure. who had been it. working there for years got saying, it, oh, it. honey. So when these people leave, going back to my earlier question, in your kind of community in Illinois, first maybe tell us a little bit about the neighborhood. And then, I don't know if you know this or not, but like what other kinds of jobs would they go to? Was this kind of the best job in the area? Was it one of the worst and people had other options? I would say I'm nestled in an area that's prime real estate for warehouses. I am in between uh, Interstate 80 and uh -huh. Route 57 where so many different trucks and semis come through all the time. Sure. I'm surrounded by warehouses. Amazon by far pays the best. What were they paying you if you don't mind me asking? $15 an hour starting pay, even as a temp. Okay. The temp agency wasn't paying you less and taking off the got top. It. You still got 15 And what's the minimum wage that other people were making outside of Amazon? Minimum wage in the area was eight seventy-five. Okay. Most warehouses paid about 11 Okay. So substantially higher. Substantially higher. And as a full-time Amazon worker, you got to use your health insurance benefits from day one. And yet a hundred people are leaving a week. Sometimes it's just not worth it. Yeah. So one of the highest paying job, entry level, unskilled entry level jobs. Mm -hmm. But they have a turnover rate of almost a hundred percent. And there's two Amazon warehouses in my area. Wow. I worked at the high tech one in Moni. Yeah. Um, there's also one in Joliet. Yeah. That was a non-high tech wear one. I did not work there. They didn't have uh, positions open for me other than night shift. And I couldn't do that. Yeah. I'm assuming things like unionizing for rights, did that ever come up at all? Never. I never saw anyone make any move toward unions. I never saw 
they never even told you not to form a union. It wasn't like, a, oh, if you form a union, you're going to get fired. You'll all get fired. Yeah. It, it was just maybe an unspoken rule that yeah. everyone knew it wasn't going to work anyway, so why bother trying? Yeah. I mean, the people who left and the people in your neighborhood, what were what were their views of Amazon? I mean, was it is it a largely positive? They were like, this is great. Bring in more warehouses or because we need the 15-hour jobs, or was it people who were leaving saying things like, this is not that great for the community? Um, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts. My specific town in mm -hmm. Manhattan is a little farm town that takes pride on being so little. Mm -hmm. So they fight tooth and nail about anything that would bring more semi-traffic through their yeah. town, Yeah. Um, which is why the warehouses are located primarily in Joliet and Moni. Yeah. In those areas, it's seen as a good thing because it's a place for people that only have a GED, that mm. um, aren't really professionally educated, that haven't right. gotten the chance to pick up a trade, to have a job that might actually be able to sustain them and have them save money in some way. And you start out at 15, but after a year, you start getting raises. And I do think there was a lot of mobility available. There were people that were managers that had only been working there that maybe a year and a half. So I, I think the overall community outlook was good, but at the same time, everyone knew that it was a sucky job. Everyone knew that it was physically demanding and hard to do, and everyone hated themselves a little bit for working there, mm. but loved the paycheck so much that it was yeah. worth it. So last question, um, which is kind of a kind of a free-for-all, right? I mean, you know, this is a podcast about inequality inequity, structural inequality, right? And the impact it has on American communities. And uh, I'm trying to be a little bit unbiased here and just let listeners draw their own conclusions mm -hmm. about how Amazon contributes to structural inequality um, based on what they've heard from you. But I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts, especially as a college student who's kind of, you know, gone outside of that community, but still has strong ties there, and now is in Washington, D.C., working with kind of a diverse international population as well. Like, what are your kind of takeaways from this experience with Amazon, specifically as they relate to inequality? I think that they are a large contributor to inequality while trying very hard not to look like one. They mm. pay people just the right amount to keep them happy and Despite make them the working conditions. ignore the working conditions. Uh, fascinating. I worked there for so long, I would have quit in my first week if the paycheck wasn't so good. And the health insurance was right there. There's people that plan on working at Amazon for the rest of their lives, but they're probably not going to be able to work there for the rest of their life because it's so physically demanding. It will destroy their bodies. And it's one of the only options, at least in my community, for a person to make a decent paycheck. So I think that the working conditions are still unfair, despite how hard Amazon tries to make it worth it. Well, thanks a lot, uh, Kimberly. We'd like to thank you for coming in and also uh, to thank TechChange for hosting us in their studios. Uh, this has been another episode of Unfair Nation. Uh, tune in next time. Um, tune in next time.
Unfair Nations brought to you by Tech Change. And we have Nick Martin here with us today in the studio. He's the founder and CEO of Tech Change. Nick, tell us a little bit about Tech Change. Thank you, Essen. Tech Change builds beautiful and engaging online courses on topics related to tech and social change. Check out our course catalog at techchange.org, or if you've got an idea for a course and want our help to build and deliver it, get in touch today.